SCS people, welcome back to another episode of the One Two Podcast, Football from the Real, brought to you by myself, Jay, and my usual co-host, Dave. Let the people know you're in the building, bro. What's good? What's good? What's good? And we're here to dash down the usual drama that's gone down in recent weeks. Now, there was a bit of epic cup football, there was a bit of Premier League football, but obviously, at the time that we're recording this, there was a big, there's big breaking news. Well, I think I wouldn't say it's breaking anymore, but big news during this day, and um, it's happened. Frank Lampard has been sacked by Chelsea Football Club by immediate effect. So it's only right we start off there. Before we really delve into it, what were your thoughts when you first heard that, bro? Do you know what? It was a bit of a. It was a shock, kind of, but more of a shock as in now. I thought if they were going to do it, they were, they were either going to do it after like maybe a big result or back when um, they'd lost to like, I think it was City. I thought yeah. it would, if it was going to be then, it would happen then. But yeah, it's a bit strange to do it after their result on the weekend. Not that they were absolutely amazing, but yeah. Was... No, I heard that because it caught me off guard as well. Because as you said, yeah. like when it comes to these seconds, it's all about the timing. Mm. And it's like, I don't know why. It just caught me off guard. I was thinking, as you said, maybe after a result or something. Mm. Or, and I know we've criticised Chelsea and stuff like that and said where they've gone wrong. But mm. a part of me was a bit surprised because I felt like they were on poor form. Let's not get it twisted. But I don't know if it hit that poor for to pull the plug this early. Yeah. Obviously, I know Chelsea are a ruthless club, so the way they move is different to how any other club moves. But I don't know. Maybe if it carried on to into a February, then you could say there's a good three month span of just poor form straight. Mm. But I don't know. They had things clicking at the beginning of the season, and it did go left, and it wasn't looking good. But I don't know. I don't know. It was definitely. The way it's been done and the way it's like come out, it definitely seems as if it there's a bit of a plan behind it. I don't know whether that's in relation to like a new um, a new manager being lined up. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or there was also I saw one thing where it was saying that apparently he was sacked after the city game, but they just did some like grace period or whatever. Blah, blah, blah. I don't know, it's, it's, it seems a bit... It seems yeah, a bit it does, by chance. It does give a vibes where they really had someone lined up. Obviously, the man lined up is Thomas Tuchel, who we'll get into yeah. later on. Yeah. But, yeah, no, it, it did kind of catch me off guard because my thing with a manager, like, especially Lampard, now, obviously, when it comes to these whole new-gen managers, there's always this thing where I look at someone like Arteta, Arteta, whatever views you might have with him, whether you're a rival fan, whether you're an Arsenal fan, he was someone who was always lined up to be in management one way or another. He got the call sign from guys like Pochettino, Pep Guardiola, Arsene Wenger. They've all said this guy will be a top coach one day, they can see it. And then with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, he's kind of in that Frank Lampard bracket where, but he's not really, to be honest, because as we always say with Solskjaer, he's been in the business for over a decade now. So, mm. Ole, Lampard, I mean, Ole and Arteta, they're in their kind of own circle. With Lampard, not really someone who's really been talked up during the latter stages of his career. His only real credentials during his career was 
getting Derby from sixth to sixth. Not yeah. really any post. Like, that's yeah. Yeah, literally. I thought, like, if you're going to... He hasn't really had much credentials to his name. It's not like he'd done a Mazza at Derby where they won the championship outright. They left the Leeds. They left the Brentfords. Left all these sides behind them. It wasn't like that. He'd done a decent job there for his time there. And um, that was that. And he just made the huge step up. So, what I will say is... I. I can't, a part of me kind of feels like he kind of deserved a bit more time only on the basis where there were some good signs it was just one poor run of form obviously during this time here there will be questions whether he's really had a style of play he's always switching and changing the lineups and stuff like that Chelsea fans were unhappy hmm. but what kind of did they expect yeah. as I said hiring someone with barely any credentials to his name it's exactly. a long-term project. Yeah, 100%. Well. And I commented on your thing, it was the transfers that killed him. The only yeah. thing is, like, at least give him, like, give him a bit of time to... You, like, I don't know, give him a, at least a season with his transfers, do you know what I mean? Because, mm. like... Yeah. Basically, they... I saw on even on the website, it was pretty ruthless. They were basically like... Um, the, the past run of results are not to the standard of Chelsea, of the of what we expect from the club, and we didn't see any signs of improvement. Basically, they were like trying to say, mm. and I thought that was pretty. It's Pete. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just it's, cold-hearted. Yeah, yeah. Without we're leaving, <laughs> leaving the club mid-table without any clear path to sustained improvement. Jesus. <laughs> that's the thing about Chelsea where it's like you can't really progress them from either like this because they've got the success they've got the trophy to back them up Mm. but I really just I don't know to be honest because they've been doing this for years now like nearly touching two decades where they've just been moving managers in out in out it's the Chelsea way all of that jazz but surely they will come like to a point where this will not really be the answer anymore. It, yeah. it, 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 ne- it never feels like a sustaining method, but it keeps on working for them. It's like a glamorised Watford, to be fair. Yeah. But obviously Watford don't have... I think I think the reason why they do it is slightly different. I think with Watford, it's a bit more panicky, whereas Chelsea is kind of... I think... Even from so, just like a like a marketing point, it's all about like maintaining your the idea that you're a big club. Like I see a lot of people saying, "Yeah, this is like even both Chelsea and Arsenal fans." To be fair, sorry to bring it back to Arsenal so early, but they're mm. saying this is a sign of a big club. Look at look at us. We we're not happy with our form, da da da. So we act accordingly. But it's a bit it is a bit short sighted in the fact that first of all, you cannot compare them. And second yep. of all is, how do you, how, how, what do you think the reason is behind the bad results? Is it because of the actual manager or is it because, because this sounds, it sounds crazy, especially in like a football term where it's winning or losing seems like such like completely different things. Like winning is the best, best thing in the world. Like you're on top of the world, you're going to win everything. Da, da, da. And if you lose, it's the most, it's like, the end of the world like you're in the dumps you're never gonna 
you don't know where your next result is going to be type of thing. Mm. But the margins are so, 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 like, small. Like, yeah. any game could win. You can literally lose or win any game. Playing almost the same way, but even if it's just a decision, one missed opportunity, da, 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 like, the margin is so small. So, to then... To then jump to the conclusion that the whole plan that you've led out with Lampard, as in, I don't know whether they were thinking of having a long-term solution or whether it, maybe maybe it was just going to be another like two-year cycle. But to completely throw that out after the form, like we said, the form has not been great. But it's not. I don't know. It's. I think. No, I, I think hear where you're coming from. The point that they're saying that they don't see improvement suggests that. There's someone else who's gonna who's convinced us type of thing. Yeah, and let it be said that I still believe they weren't really going to win much with Lampard. That's why mm. I feel like what I'm saying feels contradictory. Yeah, but I'm trying exactly. to see both sides of the the coin because obviously, as I did say in previous podcasts, and I, I still do believe that Lampard he has no credentials to him. So ultimately speaking, I can't really see him doing anything crazy with the Chelsea side. Mm. That being said. He probably did deserve a bit more time but as you said the transfers did kill him mm, it did yeah. put that kind of expectation there that we've actually we've given you a goalkeeper center back fullback center mid striker winger attacking mid literally every position you could have asked for mm. they've supplied it and um the gaps that you kind of highlighted as well because he would say we don't have the players we still got a young squad da, da, da. yeah but can't really say that anymore. Yeah. But then, um, yeah. So he's done. He's done all of that. Got his transfers, and now that expectations there, and it's just it's unfortunate. But as part of me does feel sorry for Lampard. A part of me is just like this is football. Mm. It was a cold game. Sometimes. And he knew what he was signing up for, definitely. Oh, hundred percent. Like this is you. You played for Chelsea. You and I don't know if you saw that quote going around about um, Andre Villas Boas Lampard's mm. like quotes in it. But mm. it's just like he basically said that he came into the job too young. It was too big of a job and stuff like that. And it's to Chelsea. This is just how Chelsea's run. So yeah, I'm pretty sure he of all people knows, as you said, what he signed up for. And uh, it's unfortunate it's ended like this. But, um, yeah, moving on to those transfer stores, I made a post. I don't know if you do agree with it, but we'll, we'll dice it down now. But this is another example, in my personal opinion, that money does not buy success, doesn't guarantee success. And I feel people should put a bit more respect on Pep's name. Mm. Because, um, yeah... Lampard got all the transfers he wanted. He was given... I'm pretty sure he had his say. Because for the club to sack him this early, it means there's no excuse. We've actually given you what the players you wanted. We had no say. All we had to do is negotiate and bring them over to the bridge. So yeah. for them to act this accordingly means we, you given you was given everything you wanted and you still didn't really get to those standards. So off you go. But you look at someone like Guardiola, and I, I know Guardiola's been in the game a bit longer. But it's like, I don't know. I just feel like too many people try to discredit Pep Guardiola. And I, I've made many posts now. I'll still stand by this. But they try to discredit Pep Guardiola for all the greatness that he's done by saying it's just because of money. It's just because of that. What I will say with money and getting back is it helps. You know, yeah, like it does. Help. You can get any player you win. I mean, depending on how much money you got, 
you can get any player you want and ish there should be that shouldn't be an issue about it you should get them over and they're your player but that's i go i go as far as i say that's only half of the job you then yeah. still have to have the tactics you still have to nurture them you still have to get them to their peak level and um, that's something that Pep Guardiola does all the time like we've seen many players you've gone from solid you know got a lot of potential about them and Pep helps them fulfill that potential I could look at names like Sterling I could look at you could even argue Messi to an extent mm. obviously he wasn't bought by Pep Guardiola but that's another player he's helped nurture and I don't know I just feel like this whole no, situation Lampard it's 100% what you're saying is correct and it's the thing of it's all about how you spend the money Pep Guardiola and Mourinho especially is another one yeah when they when they spend the money or when they go into the job I assume that them and their team look at the look at them and their team look at the squad sorry and they say we need this we needed this we needed this we needed this with Lampard, it seemed as if it was a bit of a... Game of was that? Yeah, it, not, sorry, let me change that. When, when Guardiola comes, he, can't, he says, I need a ball-playing goalkeeper, for example. I need a goalkeeper who's going to be able to play with his feet and, yeah, be confident. So he got, he got Bravo for a bit, that was a bit of a, a mess. And then he's obviously come to Alice, um, Edison, sorry. With Lampard, it seemed as if just get a keeper. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The more specific, I'm pretty sure Guardiola would love a striker right now and he's probably going to get Haaland. If if let's just say he's going to get Haaland. And mm. he obviously got Gabriel Jesus. So he knew that he needed someone to, obviously he didn't even like Aguero at the start, but he knew that he needed to challenge Aguero. So he got, he said, get me a young striker who's hungry and who's going to push Aguero to the limit. Obviously, they got Gabriel Jesus, Aguero kicks on. I don't know if he had that in mind or whatever, but now they have two, or now, like, for when they were winning the trophies, they had two good strikers. With Lampard, it just seemed like, just get a striker. Werner comes, obviously goals galore in Bundesliga, but there's no, like, there's no reason to why you'd want to get Werner. Liverpool wanted Werner because their attacking is, is their attack is effectively counter-attack. Just running in behind, Pace on the wings, pace down the middle because Firmino maybe they were they didn't want him anymore. But even so, um, Klopp looked at him probably thought, listen, this guy maybe is not completely necessary to what I need right now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's a, it's it's like it's kind of making them bold decisions, but spent because the prices in the Premier League is usually about demand. Do you know what I mean? That's why mm. I think Chelsea do get away with they they do spend a lot of money, but like Werner was I don't want to say only, but he was fifty million because I think that I don't really see I didn't really see the competition for him in the market in terms of like I don't know if how many other clubs were in for him because he he's a very rare striker in terms of like when he was at um when he was at Leipzig he was playing with the Paul Paulson I think his name was a tall guy like. It's kind of like a buy one, get one to help him out type of thing. He needs to play alongside uh-huh. someone. Do you know what I mean? And it's not many teams play with two strikers anymore. Yeah. So yeah, I just think so, it's you know, just... I hear that. Basically, the over point is it's like there's, there's a difference between buying the best players in the world or buying the best 
players that they got and then buying any and position scouting. Uh-huh. scouting yeah. and then yeah 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 no definitely I definitely agree with that because I think that's probably what his issue was because mm. I'm not going to sit here and act like Lampard's worth it he definitely wasn't like he signed the Havertz for example and to this day I still like that's the thing people are getting onto Havertz and I, I hear it he cost 72 million and ultimately speaking there's no excuse for him so I'm not going to defend him what I will say with Havertz is Lampard has not used him correctly mm. he's played him on the wing he's played him deeper he's played him like where he should play but like kind of as a kind of shadow striker right behind an actual striker maybe even that would have been a nice little you could say two up front with Werner and Havertz but Havertz kind of plays as a centre forward not quite a cam but kind of linking up with Werner but that's kind of his role that was his role in the Bundesliga hence why he was so involved in a lot of goals whether it was goals or assists and it's like I don't know I just felt like he wasn't using him right as you said with Werner I don't I don't there's no excuse for Werner I've, I've made I've said my piece on him you know people mm. can say I've got an agenda but what's that one goal in 16 there's no excuse even, for him and it's just even um, I don't know if you watched the Luton game but it's just like yeah he's just he's just not it like you know when you can get that vibe about a player where he's not yeah. it like the same could easily have been said for Pepe the one thing about Pepe which kind of had me hanging on was little stuff like the, the back-to-back free kicks in that uh, Europa mm. game a couple good dribbles and a couple good goals here and there which made you think alright maybe there's something there which he can build off on maybe he just needs to polish up his game in England a bit maybe obviously as we stand right now I don't know how you feel on Pepe personally but the way I feel on Werner is the exact way I feel on Pepe right now I don't feel like Pepe is it it's as simple as that yeah and Um, it is I think I'm a bit not that extreme on Pepe only because Maybe I just have this unconscious bias, but it's. I think people have this like weird thing where it, it's like it's hard to accept that some players just don't work, and it's not like it's not because they're a terrible person. It's not because they're crappy at football. It's not that they were a waste of money. Maybe they were a waste of money, but it's not that they weren't worth how much money that was spent on them. It's simply the fact that they just don't click. Do you know what I mean? And it's, it's as simple as it's that. not like it's really not deep and. If you think about in any walk of life, if you move to another country, like just as a normal person, with no, not even a job, anything, you move to another country, you move to, you live, you, you live in London, you move to Canada, or you, live, you move to Toronto, for example, yeah. and you just don't like it. There's not, it's not because, um, it's not because um, Toronto is a terrible city and this and that. It's not because the ticket that you paid to get there was waste of money that it just don't click and it's obviously that's a very simple example but now now i don't know now i don't circumstances managers just life just family all that type of stuff and realistically it's just it's, uh, the thing is people do look to the money because it's a it's a like a a quantifiable thing do you know what i mean it's a thing you can mm. you can see and uh, yeah no, but you're right. Like it really is as simple as that. Yeah. Like when I criticize um a Werner, I promise you it's not coming from no deep rooted, no mm. agenda, no nothing. Like I, as I said with Pepe, I rate his kind of mentality that he's managed to just stay grounded and still keep pushing through. We don't really hear much trouble from him off the pitch. Yeah. We don't really hear none of that type of stuff. 
just on the field is simply not working out and it's really as simple as that like we've seen it happen so many times and that's why i just don't get when people just can't really they feel like when you criticize a player you're coming for them and it's that yeah it's, it's as simple as that like we've seen even with chelsea specifically they have a number nine curse mm. like there's been so many chelsea strikers one of the <laughs> most famous ones was andrew shevchenko yeah he came as a ballon d'or winner in a time when you know we were getting so many like ballers across the world from Thierry Henry to I think that's when Xavi and Iniesta were breaking out, mm. Kaka was around, Ronaldo, R9, Zidane, Ronaldinho, all these guys, and Shevchenko was the one who won the Ballon d'Or for Milan. He'd done his thing there, he came for a record transfer to Chelsea, and he, he just couldn't get he looked like a, he, I, to be honest, it would be generous to say he looked like a shadow of himself. I think he went like what two goals in like 50 games or something like that and he went on the craziest drought I think mm-hmm. he ended it against Tottenham but like a player went from such a high to such a low then he left and he kind of regained form elsewhere but it's just like it's as simple as that like it just doesn't work and with Werner I can just see it's not going to work yeah. you can see that with Morata you see it with Pepe and Di Maria like these guys just and that's the thing that's why I rate someone like Di Maria for example because he saw it wasn't going to work after one season. Jumpship, literally. literally. And he's done very well. Probably, I wouldn't say he's peaked as a player at PSG. I think nothing will top that 13 14 Di Maria at Real Madrid. But mm. he's doing well at PSG. Yeah. He rejuvenated himself. And that's as simple as it is. So that's what I said, really. I, I said, like, they should probably try to get as much as they can for someone like Averna as they can right now. Cause yeah. It's not going to work. All he would that, do is continue to decrease his yeah. value. And, yeah, that's exactly the thing. You can. There's obviously loads of examples. We could just Depay, Lukaku, all these type of guys. We mm. don't need to go on that. But it's the value thing. Obviously, the money is important to Chelsea. I don't. I just. I find it hard to believe that they're scratching their head or like they're pulling their hair out about how much they spent because, yeah. like, like we said technically it was like a bargain if, if you're if you're considering it was just a release clause and he was obviously highly rated at the time but it's that thing of just if you continue just to force it the value goes like Pepe now he's to be it's fair low. I, yeah now it's just what's well, in my group chat we'd be lucky to get 30 would be lucky yeah 30 would be a steal yeah, I was thinking more like 20 but do you know the thing is with Pepe if he was because realistically if he was actually like if he was a, a 20 a 29 I can see him being a 29 if he was a 29 would would we still feel the same do you mean 29 years old 29 million sorry oh definitely mm, I mean that's, that's still a lot but I mean, if we're going to take this into like modern day value, I guess it's not too much. Mm. No, you probably wouldn't because like, you get what you pay for. Like, his numbers yeah. aren't awful. And that's the kind of same argument we see with Werner. Like, the numbers aren't awful. Although you look at their run of form and it's not good. But you see stuff like, oh, he's got about 20 goal involvements in 60 games mm. and stuff like that. So for 30 million, yeah, like. I think that's the that's I think that's what the the problem is nowadays as well is that Pepe should never be worth in any in any way should never be worth seventy million. 
Um, yeah. I, I, I do hear that because uh, I, I was obviously thinking about this Pepe Dion, thinking what made us pay so much. I was thinking on the basis where he did come as a 24-year-old, so mm. you do pay for age, for example, because I feel like yeah. that was the difference between him and Zaha. Zaha was going on to 29, and it was obviously between those two, and it's like near enough the exact same three was being asked, but Zaha was like 29. So yeah. it's like if that one flops, then you're kind of stuffed. Yeah, you have absolutely no resale value whatsoever. Yeah, the resale. Mm. At least with Pepe, he has flopped, but there's some resale value. If you're selling right enough, like at the right time, soon enough, mm. there's a little resale value there. Obviously, he did come off the back of an amazing season, but that's the risk you take with signing a soul. I wouldn't... In the, in the politest way possible, that's the risk you take on buying a one-season wonder. Mm. He's yeah. only banged for one season in his career. So you gotta hope that he manages to maintain that level. Mm. Or it's an anomaly, yeah. I saw this um I think obviously the paper price was also inflated because I think Napoli were in for him, um, the agent fees and all that rubbish. But anyway, that's besides the point. There was a tweet where I was just like, who has who's been worse? Um Pepe, Bergwine or Pulisic. Pulisic. <laughs> and they were saying the clubs. It literally... Because it gets to a point where it's just like... These clubs who kind of have a model of... Have a season. Mm. And just see what see what we can do type of thing. Honestly, that's like the... They're the, they're the real winners. Because they can just squeeze out as much value as possible. Yeah. I mean, looking back on that... You probably like to say Pulisic is not the best of all of them. Really and truly. Although yeah. his recent form isn't much to be desired for, but obviously he's the youngest. So he's injured again as well. Yeah. Which is not great. He's the youngest out of all of them. So ultimately speaking, he's shown enough in, in England where you'd like to think that it can click for him. But yeah, no, bring us back to Lampard as we close it off. But yeah, no, like yeah. We, let's just go through like the pros and cons of his time here. And obviously we kinda of gone through the cons already, so I, I there was one pro I had which definitely stood out to me and regardless of what we think of Lampard as a manager and his time here and some of his stuff one pro which mm. maybe his hand was forced into it but sorry one second Jim. Anyway, go on, go but on. yeah, no, maybe his hand was forced into it due to the transfer mm. ban, due to stuff along the lines. But I rate the way he stuck by his youth, um, really brought them through and probably integrated them into this Chelsea side. Whether they have a future at Chelsea anymore or not, will be seen. In, but he's kind of set that base, that foundation there for them. So you look at guys like Reese James. Tammy Abraham, Mason Mount, whether people agree with that one or not. And people along their lives, like, I don't know, I just respect him for really sticking by his guns and bringing through the youth. And, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I know he did make a lot yeah. of those big signings, but um, he still managed to kind of keep the youth, the Chelsea youth, in their sides. And that's one thing I always have respected. 100%. He's definitely brought it through and kind of like 
made it change the culture a mm. bit. Do you know what I mean? Like, because Chelsea were kind of, they weren't best known for having, obviously, their short term success plan didn't really involve young talent. Like, the young talent was just kind of a business to them. So, yeah, they did all right to um, keep that culture, as well as, I think, with Lampard, I think getting them Champions League that first season. Yeah. And then obviously they're still in it now, I think. Yep. So yeah. Oh, do you know how mad that would be? I think... I think this gives me so much vibes of when VF Boys got sacked. A young manager yeah. came with hope, got sacked in like January time, and they went on to win the mm. Champions League. Literally. Imagine if that happens. Because even the the thing with the Champions League is that it's like six games. Not to. Yeah, not to demolish, not to diminish it, but it's literally just, especially now you're in the um, the knockouts. It's literally just a, f- a free hit, yep. really. Just, just go for it, and yeah. that really. They could, they could do a mad thing. Huh? <laughs> they do that again. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's just giving me mad vibes. But mm. where next do you think? Do you feel like Rampart's got really a future in this game? As harsh as that makes sense. The thing is, no, honestly, I 100% hear you. The thing with Manu, the thing with Lampard, and I know, I remember I mentioned it last time, how he hates being like, getting opportunities because of friends or whatever. But when you go from Derby to Chelsea, and it's literally, obviously that is like, Derby is like a good starting point technically. If he was there for two years, three years, whatever, that would be a very good starting point. Just get championship experience, different two, at least three years of managing a squad, having a plan, da da da. To then go to Chelsea, which is literally the pinnacle of literally so many managers' careers. Now, even think about Chelsea managers in the pot, like maybe Bar, Bar Ancelotti and um, Mourinho, but they were both really successful yeah. at Chelsea. But by then, like, this is the peak of many managers' careers. Yeah. So to then, <laughs> like, where else does he have friends? Type of thing. Not not being so like literal about it. But I hear it. The only the only other place I could think of is like West Ham or something. Yeah, like I don't know. They don't need him. As a, as you like perfectly put, like he needed to start at somewhere like Derby and actually stay there because. If I remember right, he wasn't even there for a whole season. I think he was only there for like a, a portion of the season. I don't think he actually yeah. started the season there. Um, so he never even had a whole season yeah. under his belt before he came to Chelsea. And um, I just kind of feel like he needs to go back to basics, really. But it's hard because, mm-hmm. as you said, he's got Ch- got Chelsea third last season. Had them in and about this season at one point. So it's like, had he kind of eclipsed that stage? I don't know. Probably see him as That is the thing. He could, he could like, you like saying like a, just restart. Yeah. Technically. Well, probably not a championship club. Mm. Maybe what, West Ham's calling, uh, you know, Roy Hudson's getting a bit older. Mm. Maybe, you know. Yeah, literally. But um, yeah, let's yeah. close off this topic. The Frank Lampard topic, the Chelsea manager topic with mm. his supposed replacement in Thomas Tuchel now. Wait, I don't even know. Do you know what? It, it is getting to, in my head, it's getting to a point where it's a bit 
getting unreasonable, but I just do not yeah. rate him at all. <laughs> and I've like I'm I am honestly trying to like be rational, change my like yeah, be rational, change my mind. See like I didn't I did forget that he won that um the show. Yeah, their like FA Cup the Pokal. Yeah, I did forget he won that with them. But uh, I know Dortmund aren't supposed to like win the league or whatever. But I just felt like that was one of the best Dortmund teams there was in a while with like Aubameyang, bit of Pulisic, but they had he had Usman Dembele for that year. Royce was not as injury prone as he usually yeah. is. It was just a bit Champions League. I don't really remember what they what they did in that. I think they did. I think they got knocked out by Real Madrid and Tottenham. Monica. Oh yeah, yeah, mm, yeah. Tottenham was the year after. Oh yeah, if you're talking about that, yeah, it was definitely Monaco. Yeah, because Mbappé, I remember that celebration. Yeah. But um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Thomas Tuchel is like obviously when Arteta was going through his platform, he's linked with Arsenal, and I'm gonna keep my same feelings on it. Where I do, I, I don't really know too much. The thing about him is. He gets the best out of certain attacking players. So, mm. there could be hope for someone like uh, Timo Werner because if you look at his time at Dortmund, yeah, there's arguments to be made. He managed to get the best out of Aubameyang during his whole career. Some might argue mm. he had a better time at Arsenal, but that was the season where he beat Lewandowski to the Golden Boot um, in the Bundesliga. Mm. Obviously, they won the trophy then and he really got the best out of Aubameyang that year and that's when he was kind of at the top of his top. Um, same arguments could be made for guys like Dembele and anyone else in that Dortmund side going forward. He's one of those good attacking managers. You look at Mbappe, people can have their thoughts on it, but mm. statistically speaking and on the field, really, we saw the one of the best... In, obviously, he's getting better as the years go by, so that could be a part of the argument, but mm. we saw arguably the best in Mbappe last season with PSG as he continues to go from strength to strength. So, on that side of things, mm. it could be a little positive. The only bit I worry is obviously Chelsea, as you saw with the second, they're not based on projects. They're based on winning straight. Yeah. And I don't really mm. know if someone like Tuchel really gives me the best hope of someone who can really take them to back be in that winning club and I know they got to the Champions League final last year but with all due respect that was due to a lot of individual brilliance from Neymar Di Maria um, Mbappe and arguments could be made for the two centre-back pairings other than that they weren't really an amazing side during that run they just kind of came clutch when needed like they were literally what minutes away from getting knocked out by Atalanta and then obviously Mbappe mm. came on to save them and stuff like that. Mbappe had to come on to save them against Dortmund. So stuff like that. Like, I don't really see much hope for him as a winning type of manager, whether he's the mold of Chelsea. Mm. You know, you, I look at names like Allegri and I know people might have their thoughts on Allegri. I personally don't even rate him that highly, but he just gives off Chelsea vibes yeah. so much. You know, that player, 100. that manager, sorry, who's like... Um, He's been there in the business, one stuff, but he's not really there to build up a team. He's not really there to mould a team. The team's already moulded for him. The standards mm. are there. He's just there to put the chair on top of the kick, finish it off. We saw him do it with Milan. We saw it doing with Juventus. He didn't make those title winning sides. He was just the little cherry on the cake. As I said, the icing on top. And 
I feel mm. like that probably would be what is Chelsea's really calling for right now, especially if they need that winning mentality back. That that you know they need that. And obviously, he fits that yeah. kind of Chelsea kind of modes, that Chelsea heritage where you know that Italian esque manager we've seen of Ancelotti, Conte, Sarri. Mm. You can list off all these guys. Yeah. So yeah, no. Go on. And you know what? And hundred like echo yeah. everything that you're saying. I think with Tuchel. I think I just don't want to sound like just like unreasonable, but he's just a bit of a like a, a bit of a vibes yeah, manager definitely. as well. I know he definitely, I know he does play good football, but his teams will score goals, but the way they will leak goals it's not is good. not sustainable. Not good at but it's like it's not good. Go and yeah, that has definitely been. I've always in Chelsea, in my mind, except for that Conte season where he did obviously. He ran the five at the back thing. I have thought of their defence mainly to be the problem. Maybe that's obviously the past two years with Sarri and um, Lampard. Because I can't really think. Mourinho obviously had their crazy defensive record. Looking back... I think, yeah. I think they need to build on their I don't defense, think, actually. I don't no, think their defence has been good since John Terry left. If we're really being... Like, if we're yeah. really getting down to it... John Terry was obviously part yeah. of the amazing defence when he first broke through being there through the years um, he was there during Jose's second coming you look back and obviously mm. Jose's last season 15-16 wasn't really good on all the course just because Jose lost to Justin Room and everything then you look to the next season mm. John Terry played every single minute of that season obviously that was Conte's first season and um, their defence was solid that season but ever since he's left so obviously that was his last season They've never mm. really been that solid at the back. Their defence has never really been something yeah. they've truly invested in like that to make sure they replace John Terry. And I feel like the hierarchy at Chelsea probably underestimate what type of player and effect that John Terry really had on that side. That they got a bit too comfortable, if you like. And they never really had to mm. care about actually going all out for a defence and a defender and stuff like that over the years because they could just put anyone they could just Literally. put anyone next to him do you know what now, now I'm deep in it that is, I think that is Chelsea's that is that yeah like problem. you said getting someone like, like Petuchel yeah. don't know I don't know man like obviously we'll see what it's, it's looking nailed on now like there's nothing that you can do about it so we'll see what really happens but I wouldn't say it's the most inspiring but but it is what it is that's Chelsea in it mm. and we'll see how that one pans out but as I said, yeah. there was a lot of FA Cup football and Premier League football this weekend. And also speaking, on the grand scheme of things, there wasn't nothing major to report on. You know, it was one of those weird weeks where nothing really major happened other than one club and one club only. And that's Liverpool FC. Things continue to go bad from from bad to worse with the Scousers, with Jurgen Klopp's men. Injuries are truly hitting them hard. We'll get into it. But before we even get into that Liverpool United game, which happened yesterday, you have to get into Liverpool Burnley one. Obviously, that was, what, four days ago now? So, fair time looking back as we record. Uh, We we can't skip this. Like, usually we dive into stuff on the weekend or the latter stages. We we have to get into this mm. one. Literally, they lost their first league. Jesus. Okay. Cool, you saw it? Yeah. 
we'll say. Yeah. Um, they lost their first league game at Anfield in 69 attempts. Crazy, crazy kid. Like, crazy. I couldn't believe it. Like, it's because that's the thing with Liverpool is that during this run, yeah, like, I've always thought it's good that they've managed to see out wins, but they should have lost their record time ago. There were so many. Like, I look back, I don't know, that West Ham game last year where they were winning and then uh, yeah. Mohamed Salah scored that goal through Fabianski's hands or something like that. There was games against... You could even argue yeah. us. Mm, I don't know. Our record has actually been that good there. But there's been many times where these men should have hold, held L's, but like, they've always found a way out. But not today. And mm. I, I just couldn't believe that they actually couldn't find a way out this time. On Like, I don't want to react to your like I think they did they score in the sixth you burn no they scored like the 83rd yeah. minute yeah oh, was it that late on yeah because uh, I was thinking like I didn't want to mm. preempt anything do you know what I mean because you never know bruv like just next thing you know they're like fucking in, in the lead the, the, the pace that they turn it around is crazy yeah it was 80th now I remember I think obviously Typical Burnley. You know what? Yeah, you know what I mean, like, just I've given them a lot of slander over the years, and even recent podcasts. But I'm gonna hold mm. my hands up and say, you know what? You won't really be hearing much yeah. Burnley slander from you for a while. You know, if they, yeah, for a while, because yeah. I look at their squad and I look at the way they've been playing, and especially in this Liverpool game, they actually played well. Like, I look at the way they won that, and I don't think it was luck by any means. I think. Defensively, no. incredible. Obviously, I feel like Liverpool are playing to their hands, sticking by their crossing ways. And when you're crossing it into guys like Ben Mee, Tarkovsky, and Nick Pope, like that's just like it's a dead end. Literally, like, what are you trying to gain from that? <laughs> so it's like, yeah. and the way they moved, I, like, I I was a bit disrespectful to Burnley when I said they were like Stoke City. Feel like they actually moved <laughs> the ball a bit well. Um, they do attack a bit yeah. more like they're not just a sit at the backside. like there could be arguments made for a couple other sides which actually sit back a lot more than Burnley they got some good guys like mm. what's like McNeil Josh Brownhill um, Ashley Westwood mm. you can even make a, quite a case for um, your Ashley Barnes and uh, Chris Woods like them guys there it's like yeah, they're, they're not the most flashiest. They're not going to chip in with a load of goals. But you know they're going to give... Then You know they're going to give the defence a little horrid time. You know they're going to put themselves about and be yeah. a bit of a nuisance. And obviously, big respect to Sean Dash as well, because regardless of what other thoughts I've had on Burnley, I've always had respect for him, because he's someone who's always pushed above, above his yeah. weight with a side like Burnley. Like He's had them playing European football. You know when you go to Burnley. That's what I'm saying. It's probably a credit to Burnley and a credit to Sean Dash in particular that you always kind of dread going to Burnley. You never really say, oh, yeah, yeah. we're going to go play Burnley. Like, you know you're in for a tough time whether yeah. you're a good side. Go on. Only, only Man City seem to I think have Burnley's on, code. But I, I think, think only Man City and Man United. I think, United. I think recent. Mm. Even United they have, have had tough times I there. I think though. Martial's carried them so many times at Burnley. I think he scored like 
every yeah. time for like four times in a row or something crazy like that. Yeah. But yeah, no, yeah, it's just them two sides. Like. Even Liverpool, Liverpool were probably meant to lose to them at the end of last season. Another one where I don't know how they got away with that one. I don't know if you remember, towards the end of last season, it ended 1-1, but Burnley dominated that game. And I wouldn't say they dominated, but they had their chances. They arguably should have scored them, but defensively, they were quite solid. And obviously, Nick Pope, I think he pulled off a record amount of saves that season or something crazy in that game. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Burnley, Liverpool—they've been a bit of a bogey side for them. It just—it's crazy that it's Burnley to break that record. Like, yeah, I think the thing with Burnley is that they are definitely uh, says says do what they say on the tin, but they do it well. They know their strengths you know and I mean? they play to it for what they're doing. Yeah, a hundred percent. So that's why that's why you do that. I don't think many people. I don't think they disrespect Burnley per se. Like in terms of personally, it's more of like a the style that they play. People just don't. But even to this day, honestly, this is one other thing that I've had. Just like being friends with, um, particularly like Boston and Madrid fans, who they they always complain like, oh, the other team just has eleven men behind the ball, this and that. And I'm thinking, like, is this a some? Is do they are they acting like this is a new thing? This is obviously English clubs as well, but they acting like this is some new tactic. Like, what do they expect the teams to do? They're gonna they they're gonna do what they're best capable of doing, and that's literally just disrupting play, defending with their lives, which is not easy, by the way, especially against top quality talent. I know no, you're right, though. it does that's sound easy, like. Hundred, it does, yeah, hundred percent. Because when you've got guys like Messi or whoever Madrid have, or even in England, just the actual like strikers and attackers now are, if not the same, very close in terms of like physical build. Like before, maybe with like with Stoke, they were way just way bigger than everyone else. But Burnley now, obviously Tarkovsky and me are doing their thing, but they're still. It's not even like physically dominated anymore. It's literally just staying strong, doing, staying in their regiments, staying focused, knowing the things that you need to do, and it pays off. And that's if that's what they have to do, then they have to do it. And you can't, you can't the knock it. It's just their way. Don't hate the player, hate the game. And they do it well. They do it well. Yeah, no, yeah, big up Bernie still, because yeah, obviously mm. the record that does get prepared compared to sorry is Chelsea's record stretching from 2004 to 2008 like insane record like even to say it now it's nuts four that years was mad. Uh, it, it don't that make sense mad. but 86 games they went unbeaten and even then they lost their record to Liverpool so it's like even then like if you're going to lose your record with all due respect to Burnley as we said we've given them praise just now but I don't know it's, it's Liverpool like Burnley I don't know sounds just mad but um yeah, so obviously they did lose that game, and um, things are genuinely looking like very bad for them. And my thing with it is like Klopp is clearly going through that transition stage, which every top manager needs to go through. I feel like if you ha- like you have to go through a transition stage if you're to really be at the top, and that's that's probably Alex Ferguson's biggest ever attribute that he's ever had during his career. 
he had the ability to know I'm going to go three years mm. with one side and I know some players might kick up a fuss some players might lose belief in my philosophy some might just genuinely get old mm. and I know in three years time I'm going to have to replace them and he's done that what I'd say about six times we've seen Charlotte's have like three different not, not we've seen have sorry about six different type of sides you know from his first title winning side mm. to the 99 side to the old four or five side where they were off it, but he had that transition in 2006. Then they went through on the bounce and then they had a little transition again. Then they wanted the last one right before Alex Ferguson retired. And it's like, he's probably the king of these transitions. Every three years you need it. And we look at someone like Pep Guardiola, for example, and I feel like he might have just gone through his transition now. Like we saw it last season, things weren't really going good. He could have easily jumped ship, but he stayed true with it. And it looks like things are clicking again. And we could see a second dynasty at Man City. Obviously, we'll see if they go and win the title. But if they do win the title, that's the kind of transition I'm talking about. And it feels like Klopp has hit his transition now. And the next chance, you could even argue this chance of winner, but the next chance of winner is going to be huge. Like, it could really mean big calls yeah. like what? move on to Salah, move on to Mane, for how good they've been. That's the thing, Alex Ferguson done that all the time. Like Van Nistelrooy's record was impeccable, but he just had to move him on. He moved him on to Real Madrid. Van Nistelrooy still done bits at Real Madrid and he just brought in Ronaldo, brought in Rooney and brought in the new gen. And kind of feel like yeah. that's, I don't know, that's what I was thinking. Like Klopp might need to be at least planning to do something along those lines. You can't stick with decided, basically. Yeah, uh, with Liverpool and Klopp, I always did think, not in a, not in like a, um, I predicted this type of way. Honestly, it's not that. It's a thing of the way that they were playing, the way that Liverpool were playing. It did seem unsustainable because it was it was yeah. very goal driven. And the pressing. It was very like... They were due to get drained out eventually. Like. Yeah. Yeah, like you're saying. And there's only so... No no disrespect to club or everything, but there's only so much you could run for a brick wall for someone. That doesn't... Like, there's only so, so far these guys could run and still have that same proper hunger. That's why I thought... Maybe this is me. I just have a thing with trophies. If I'm, if I'm a successful team... To, to fully stamp my legacy or whatever, I obviously would try to go through the leagues. But honestly, mm. just win everything you can. Any competition you can get your hands on, just win it. Because there's history History remembers the trophies and they're not going to remember like, oh, um, Liverpool were unlucky to come second after they'd won the league. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, it, means, it means nothing. So just go and like, win an FA Cup the history will say Van Dyke was injured you had a tough season but at least you realigned your focuses like now what are they really playing for obviously I'm not saying that they can't turn it around at all they can easily turn it around but yeah so that was the first thing that there's only so far they can run and the second thing was the sign-ins they did not make enough there's a lot of calls for FSGL and stuff like that I mean I might need to make a post there really truly because we don't really see much people we hear the cronkies we hear the glazers but we don't really hear much about fsg and if we mm. really look deeper into it like obviously 
the sale of guys like Coutinho. I remember I'm just going to say Coutinho. I feel like Liverpool are elite at selling players. Like they managed to scoop what twenty million for Salah oh. or something like that. Like Jeez, the, the money that they can get not, from. I don't know how they players do it. is mad. The negotiators are top mad. tier. Them and yeah. um, Leicester's as well, but that's Leicester's a bit of a different thing because they, yeah. they're not selling bums. <laughs> Leicester is selling good players. These guys are selling like third. Slanky was like, third with, choice. With respect, they, if they if, if we had them at Arsenal, they would get a what Mustafi, an AKA. Yeah. These guys like they would. You just manage to get like above twenty five. Easy, hundred. 100%. Yeah, no. So, yeah, they yeah. have. That's. You know what? Now, now you say that. They've not. They've, I, FSG haven't yeah. invested. Like, we, you always talk about the net spend. It's like. Liverpool always get banned on like, where you're always referring to net spend this, net spend that. But it's like. I can kind of see where they're coming from now. Because if you didn't sell Coutinho, if you sold it for a relative fee, which is, let's say. Yeah. yeah like 40 price. million pounds or something <laughs> like that. Then it's like. What money has this kind of board, this group of people actually invested into into the club? And we saw it towards last summer. Obviously, they came clutch, some would say, with the San Nobiata. But even that one, that was that wasn't actually forty million out of their own money. That was a swap plus money. The Kier, yeah, yeah, that's that Kier Jana Hover, well. the Dutch defender, went back to Wolves. Then obviously yeah. Thiago. Yeah. He came on a relatively cut price for what was the best in the world at the time. Um, yeah. Did did they sell? What season did they sell Emery Chan? No, he sold. They sold in the January like the before, before they made the champion. They, yeah, yeah, that's I what I remember. He, I remember he didn't, didn't win the Champions League, league and. I remember any Liverpool player that left that that summer. I was always thinking, "Oh, are they going to look that bad? So I think he left in twenty eighteen. Yeah, literally. Um, January. Yeah. I'm just I'm just thinking like the big. Well, that's the thing. Like outings FSG, had. I haven't really invested in them, and that's it. Really, like Liverpool are hitting that transition mm. stage, and I feel like if they don't come, if they don't come big and properly invest in a new kind of side, basically. Because even if I'm gonna do, I'm gonna look it up really. Because I saw something about like the age of their side, and it's crazy that it's never really been deep. But it's like it's slowly yeah, getting on. Like, um, I have it up right now. While you do that, even um, the way the the time I probably deeped it was. Um, well, not the time. The reason I probably did it was the substitutions yesterday or whenever the game was played for you. The Liverpool the Man Man United game. <laughs> United were bringing on obviously Fernandez should should would regularly be starting for like a Liverpool game. But they brought on Fernandez, Martial. Martial's not banging goals, but still better than Liverpool had Origi and Shakiri. And no offense to them, but that is it's crazy, man. <laughs> that is not. It's crazy how it's just flipped as well, like the last year between the two clubs. Like, I could have never yeah, seen this coming, but I've got the two. Um, so Salah's going to be twenty nine, Mane's going to be twenty nine, Van Dijk's going to be thirty, 
Firmino's going to be 30, Thiago's going to be 31, Henderson's going to be 31. And uh, that's it, really. Shout out to Coach Accounts for that tweet. But that's the core of their side. And it's like, you know, they're going to need to start investing in at least the future. Because you look at the Liverpool future and they've got a couple of good guys coming through the ranks. Like, obviously, Harvey Elliott's doing well for Blackburn. Obviously, there's talks of them signing that Kaide Gordon guy from Derby, who's probably one of the most highly rated teenagers out there. Um, they've got a nice little crop building, mm. but it's it's nothing really inspiring to really say, yeah, they're going to take us to the next level. Like, it's nothing like a folding level type player. Or, I mean, I'm not even trying to break back to Arsenal, but you got your Sackers, you got your Mill Smith role, you got Saliba, like, at least like you could say Arsenal. They're not first but, like, team. But there's potential there at Arsenal and with Liverpool, it's like, it's a bit different. It's like, yeah, they just need to really invest in it because mm. it's not really looking good for them. And you, as you touched it, we might as well move on to that FA Cup game. And yeah, Liverpool, I mean, United, it's a weird one. But I feel like United deserved it. <laughs> Do you know what? I was watching my boy. I, I don't know why. When that when that Fernandez goal went in, I just felt so yeah. upset. <laughs> I know it was irrational, but... Yeah. I was just a bit pissed. It was. I was happy that it was a good game. It was quite intense, but I just felt like it was so strange. Like the way the way it happened. Like it was just like um, Man United were blitzing for like ten minutes. Then it would be Liverpool's turn, or the other way around. So Liverpool started off blitzing. Then they would fall off. United would have their turn. Then they would switch back to. Liverpool having their form, then United have their form, and obviously just ended up with um, United. But yeah, they just looked. Liverpool just looked. As I said, like, it looked like they just literally swapped um, sides. Literally, everything's in reversal because it's like I associate a Liverpool with mm. our two-two free kick. It would be typical Liverpool to just find a way out of the bag, but it wasn't them this time. It was United. Mm. And, you know, that's Klopp knocked out of the FA Cup fourth round, four fourth time, never made it past the fifth round. And the, the one about oh, this man. term, he actually tried. Obviously, I know that, like, <laughs> yeah. I know, like, they've got injuries <laughs> and stuff like that, but it's like, oh, he actually man. wanted to make it through to the next round and amend whatever happened down against Burnley a couple of days prior. And he's still lost. And that's oh, the bit where it makes you that. think, hmm. Don't know, man. It's like if you're actually gone. No, it's definitely. It was definitely weird seeing. Um, I think Williams. it was on Fell on the Young. I forgot yeah. the guy. Was, it, was that Reese Williams? Is that Reese Williams? Yeah, it was. It was not. It was not fun. Yeah, Russia. Russia gave him that Trent treatment three years ago. Yeah. Talk about yeah, Trent. He's, 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 got, he's off right it right now this season. Like, I just said I've defended him, but and I will stick by him for what he's done previously. But as a whole, this season, I said it last week, like I don't know, he's, he's, he's not hitting the same anymore. Nothing about this level size really hitting right now. Like, I actually thought, this yeah, they're going to be back after the resort against Crystal Palace. But since Christmas, like, they've been awful. What we saw, it's literally been about three game, three goals, sorry, 
um, since that game in all competitions from a Liverpool side is something we never associate them associate that them with. Like um, obviously last night they scored two goals. So essentially, before last night they went what a month and they've only bagged one goal. This was this is Arsenal form during that time. Like yeah, they look hopeless. Literally. They look whatless and it's it's so hard because I don't. I don't know whether to rule out a side like Liverpool out of, say, a title race, for example, because technically speaking, they are only six points behind, seven if Man City win their games in hand. So, for a side like Liverpool, I guess mm. they're not out of it yet. But it's, it's not looking good at all. It's not looking good at all. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's very strange to associate Liverpool side without scoring. I would say it was good to see Salah get yeah. a few goals. Other than that, like... But, it's just very, yeah, man, very, very uninspiring. Got to give some credit to United. Um, but like, in this game, I don't think as a team they were amazing, but it's like they got the result and that's what you have to respect. Mm. Exactly. He gave you a good entertaining affair and yeah. stuff like that. But the standout players were obviously Marcus Rashford, who have made my boss them, but like brilliant, brilliant, brilliant performance from him. Like it was so complete. Like he was assisting goals, he was scoring goals, he was all in the play, he was terrorizing obviously Reese Williams and even gave Trent a couple, you know, a couple of bits there to really make him think and stuff like that. So brilliant for me. He's probably my man of the match. They got Greenwood as well, you know, a player who's faced a lot of criticism, but... And I I, I don't get it, like, because... Do you know what? I didn't really... I've not really seen any... I wouldn't say... Greenwood criticism. Maybe I've just ignored I wouldn't it. say criticism. Is it because I, I he's not probably starting? probably the toxic part of football Twitter, you could say, where there's always the comparisons. Not even, I, I wouldn't even say comparisons with Martinelli is any sort of criticism but it's like anytime I feel like your people's love for Martinelli (laughs) fuels them into disrespecting Greenwood and it's vice versa because the exact same happened with Martinelli Mm -hmm. and I feel like the two of them it's just like we genuinely don't need this that's why I always say when it comes to these youth players I'm tired of these reactionary rankings let's leave that in 2020 if a player has a good game mm. like look Greenwood had a good game last night <laughs> I'm not trying to rank him Martinelli Hudson and Dane Foden because I know you guys are going to change it again when Foden drops the clinic yeah. the very next week and it's that's I'm especially because the teams play on fucking Tuesday Wednesday no, like Thursday that. literally you're so it's like I think people eight. got sucked into that and forgot what Greenwood is about and um yeah, Greenwood's a killer right foot, left foot I know it's said loosely but honestly that guy any any foot he's on he's very very special talent lethal then, um, yeah so then I felt Pogba <sighs> I felt he had a good game but he had a good game from a different point of view we saw a more, much more mature performance as we've seen from Pogba a lot I don't know about you and mm-hmm. I know he done I know he played his part in the 16-17 season when he first came I know in the 18-19 season, during that post uh, Ole appointment period, the two-month period, he done decent, solid there, so should I say. But me personally, as a whole, as a collective, mm. as a complete player, this is the best Paul Pogba I've seen in a Manchester United shirt. 
Do you know what I want to ask you though? Is that because United are doing well? Because honestly, hand on heart, I think he's been. God, God, spit out, spit out. I don't. I don't want to say. I was going to say same level, but that's obviously incorrect. That's factually incorrect. But he's been this good. Uh, almost every season. I think he's Since been. United have been shit. Good in the previous seasons. I've been criticized. Yeah, I've been criticized. Criticizing of him. He's been good. I feel like the difference this time around, me personally, is he's actually having an influence on the games. I feel like we always knew it's, it's ability yeah. goes without saying, and um, he did show this ability at times during uh, last season, the season before. But one thing I've always been critical, critical—I don't know—critical of him. Sorry, is that um, he's never been able to maintain the consistency. And this is this is definitely his most consistent period yeah. since that Ole period where he got appointment appointed Man um, United manager. But other than those two periods, mm-hmm. I've never seen a truly consistent um, period from Paul Pogba. I can say, you know what, this guy's balling week in, week out, week in, week out. You know what you're gonna get. Yeah, you, you know yeah, what you're so gonna get like, from him on the. I'm seeing that. Day. Plus, I'm genuinely seeing him influence yeah, a game in a different way. You know, I'm seeing commitment levels go up. He's putting in actual good tackles. He's putting himself around. Obviously, he played in that different type of role where he's more advanced. We're seeing him actually... That's the thing. He, that, mm. that, you're right. He has shown glimpses of it in his previous couple seasons. Um, good periods, but it's like... It's just a consistency. And we're seeing it every week. And I think that's the big telling factor as to why I'm saying... This is probably the best football but I've seen. Mm. Yeah, definitely. The, the thing that I agree with wholeheartedly is the influence part. Because he was playing well, like, I've, like I remember. Because obviously, I'd, from what in my head, I think he's been at a very uh, a high level. But yeah, it was a bit. It was a bit more individualistic. Like he was doing his job, but it wasn't. It wasn't enough, really. But no, yeah, like you were saying, he's definitely having an influence on the team. And, yeah, they're playing better. I still I still do think yeah, that I agree. the results are helping. And the results could be anything. The results could be the rest of the team pulling their weight. It could be him, like you were saying, having influence on the game. But, yeah, it's all good over there. Some... Strange, like honestly, September time, poor, or even like, like early October. I was, was like, on to him because I was down thinking, in the dumps. What are we that's doing? The thing, I've never seen any real consistency from you over the years. I, I, I knew the ability was there, but I've never seen it over the years. And you started your season like this, and this is as I said, this is the time season. Then we really got to put a big question mark on that 90 million pounds fee you came from I know we shouldn't put the fee to the player but he's never really he didn't even look like he was showing the consistency which like warrants about nearly half that at the time but now he's showing that consistency mm-hmm. now whether he's showing it because of um, he came out the, at that time and said that our oh, well, it wasn't him, it was his agent, Mina Royal. You know, he's a, he's a chatty patty, he's always talking in the media. But 
whether it's because he came out and said he's looking for a move, so <laughs> some would say he's basically playing for a move, whether it's for that or not, like he's putting in the results, he's doing it on a consistent basis. And if he continues doing this, and let's say hypothetically, United go and win the league, I don't feel like United fans will really have any ill feelings towards him. Like he performed, you won a trophy, you won the league, he's off. It's a win for win win for both sides. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I don't know. Do you think they should still sell like, him? Yeah. I feel like he's getting on now. Value. Obviously not getting on on when but if he signs a new contract, you got that new contract basically would like if he signs a new contract, you know, that new contract will basically mean you're gonna be here for a very long time. You're seeing a, a long term future here. It's just not just uh keeping you afloat to increase your value, then maybe you get a big mutual bid. This is you you know, becoming a proper United legend in that midfield. Um, as I said, he hasn't been as consistent mm. as I would have liked for the previous four seasons. So it would be a slight risk to bank on him maintaining this consistency just because he's done it in his last season, with all due respect. And um, yeah, those are the two mm. big factors. And as I said, it's a thing of transitions. And the same way transitions work for managers, transition works for players. And he's been rightfully criticised at times and I would say wrongfully criticised at times there's been a couple of times where you know pundits guys in the media have got onto him and it's like didn't necessarily deserve it at that specific time so I feel like it would just be good for him to really start mm. a new life elsewhere the only question mark I will have is where can he go I don't see him going to Real Madrid because as I said yeah, to you that, that ship has sailed and I still think it should um uh, tongue twister I still think it's um, sailed even though he's hit a bit of form recently at Real Madrid I feel like mm. the eyes are set on Camavinga obviously coincidentally we were talking about because I remember we having this conversation uh, a couple months ago in the future of, of the Real Madrid midfields in uh, Camavinga Valverde and obviously our Erdegaard now the way times panned out weeks after is now Erdegaard has found himself on his way to Arsenal which we will touch on later on but Ultimately speaking, I still feel like their future is quite mm-hmm. set. Juventus could do with him, but I don't know how their wage will fit in. And another midfielder, I know well, I know Popper's a world-class midfielder, so it's like, this is one where you make an exception for, but they are stacked with midfielders to an extent where they need to offload some before they bring in some, just for that balance factor. Then, I've, you know, PSG is the only other realistic option. I can't think of anywhere else. I don't know if you can. I oh, you say Barcelona, like. Yeah. Mm. PSG. That's the only one. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's the only place. But yeah. What are your thoughts on though? Uh, you got freed. Uh, that's maybe. Yeah, because. Um, he's had a bit of an awkward start to his life at United and even yesterday I didn't really feel like Mm. really affected the game and it's been like that for a couple games on the bounce and I'm not gonna say anything too tough right now but it's some food for four it's a very it's it's a definitely um... yeah it's expensive yeah. depth. Hundred. It's expensive squad depth. Or maybe 
I think it was like 30 million. So maybe overpriced in terms of what his role is at the club and just over talented, like over qualified. Because I think if he had a run of games, he he would form a better. Like now he's just he's just it seems a bit like you know yeah, like he so doesn't even look the same anymore. Really establishes again. I don't know. Time mm. will tell. But he could be another case of a player where it just gives off feelings where it's not really gonna work here. Mm. It's. I think it's down to him and what he wants to do really because he can stay probably on a comfortable wage um, but just knowing that he's just not gonna if Pogba stays yeah. he's not gonna play consistently at so all. yeah no it's, it's a weird one with him it's a sad one it's a it's a it's a sad but he knew what he was it's getting a sad into, use like, of talent but he knew he was never really going to be a proper proper star and that's yeah, that's the yeah. issue we all always had with it it's just like united fans are always saying oh he signed for depth he signed for this he signed for that but it's like i don't know like he's a bit too good to be a squad depth player and i know i don't know i don't know it's just as you said there was always that potential that they plan for a proper exit and he would be drafted in. But I don't know. They need to draft him in a bit better now because yeah. it feels like they haven't really drafted him in. They went proper league, he would just get thrown right into the deep and like, there's been no smooth transition, no seamless, no nothing. But um, yeah, it's not looking too good for him. But, you know, United on to the next round in the FA Cup. Ole goes on the hunt for his first trophy. Time will tell whether he does get that. You know, we're still only in the fifth round, so we will wait. But I um, guess it's looking quite good for them right now. Obviously, they got, I believe, Sheffield yet, yeah, or so something like that. So it should be an easy game there. Then they've got Arsenal, which um, hopefully will have a little special link up after that game. Time will tell. But yeah, things are looking good for United. Yeah. And, I've had my criticism of Oli, but I, I guess I've got to give him a bit of respect, you know. He's, he's doing his thing. And credit where it's due, mm. I guess. You know, like that. It's still very... <laughs> still very... I don't know if I'm too sold on it, but, but, you know, I've got to give the credit where it's due, so... Again, one thing I will still mm. say is managing the squad. Because from what it looks like visually, Van de Beek is not really kicking up a fuss. I think the handling of the Pogba knows like he's not going to play every well. game. Because I think many managers could have folded yeah. under yeah. that. So, you know, I, I would definitely say a credit to Ole the way he's handled that and really got the best out of him. Because as I said, this is the best Paul Pogba I've seen. And it's under Ole's you know management so mm. i gotta give credit for that because can't be one-sided yeah. on this but um yeah no things are looking good for united they go marching on and you know before we end this episode we might as well touch on the odegaard move to arsenal quickly before we end this what are your thoughts on that yeah interesting very interesting i remember i made a video yeah. of Odegaard a couple in May time after his time at mm-hmm. Sociedad and it was just a thing of just like 
finally he's been allowed by Real Madrid to come back. Like I know it sounds all cheesy and like, he's a teenage this prodigy. guy has been known from. He signed. What was, it, what was the year? 20... Was it 2015 Whoa. or 16? Yeah, I think he broke out 2014. Signed in even 14 actually. But he's just been on loan, on loan, on loan, and which is very one understandable, too smart because you don't want to force slash waste slash. Hello. Because I remember there was another kid at Barcelona as well, Croatian kid. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> there you go. Is he on any? No, he's he confirmed. Like he's there. He I don't know how well he's done, but I remember making a post in the general summer. Like I couldn't oh. believe it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah, that's mad. I remember them two were just like kind of compared to each other, and yeah. So he he's done very well at Sociedad. He did very well at Sociedad. Sorry. He, they didn't do, they didn't qualify for Europe. I'm not sure, but they had very, like they were competing a lot. They were gonna get to a cup final, but obviously Corona kind of messed it up for them. And then yeah, he got allowed back into Real Madrid, and it just seems as if Zidane has not not given him the the time he expected. He's just played like. Few Champions League games here and there, a few minutes in the league games, and it's basically a thing of like he wants to go. And I didn't necessarily th- think Arsenal would get. No, what am I talking about? I th- it was a bit. It happened very quickly. I did think that if Arsenal came in for him, he would choose Arsenal because going back to Sociedad or going to I think it was Ajax is not. It's not the same as coming to Arsenal really, and not not in some like a. Arsenal effect type of thing but it's just even just like a different scenery just try something new try and play in the Premier League see if it clicks um, I'm just trying to I'm trying to like I'm so worried that I'm it's going to turn out yeah, like this Suarez-ish it, it kind of does give up those vibes but like, you're a bit more hopeful this time because when you look at the Sabayos and the Suarez they're players you there was potential there you know, there was a good little profile of them there, but they were never really there to get to the top, top levels. They were kind of used, they were kind of fringe players at their clubs mm. who um, kind of came here to kind of get a yeah. bit more game time. I know technically speaking, that's what's happening here. But during his time at Sociedad, he wasn't, he was regarded as one of the best midfielders in the league. I don't think that the same could be said for Suarez or Sabaros. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. He's Sabayos and Suarez are fringe players yeah. literally because of ability, whereas Erdegaard and it's because of literally just politics, really. Not even politics, but just like the dynamic of that Real Madrid midfield and Zidane because guys like Vinicius Jr., Hazard, Rodrigo, Asensio... They just have so much talent there, or talent for anybody else, but so much like quality, all crammed into the same positions. And I think Erdegaard just thought, you know, fuck it, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sitting here again, wasting my career. And he's obviously had 
fruitful fruitful loan spells like he does seem to enjoy it. he does seem to play well wherever he goes you so think? why did they cut the loan they actually the cut same the loan him. short just to waste it yeah and yeah. Then, you know you're thinking yeah he's finally going to break it? into that Real Madrid side but oh, it's just not really worked out do you think it's a business loan what do you mean a Chelsea one Chelsea style one because uh, it's not an it's surely not an age thing because like I was saying Rodrigo's 17 Vinicius is coming up to 20 now Real Madrid like they're not afraid of playing a very young so wait, the, kid that's the thing about it it makes no sense because he was always a promising just, talent he's done well in the league he was one of the best midfielders in the league and and yes like Modric yeah in La Liga and yeah. Cruz, they're still Sorry. killing it one of the best midfielders in the world still at this point and it's like you can understand to an extent why he doesn't break into it but I don't know you would have expected him to at least get a little you know couple games under his belt I heard too that he did have injuries during his time at Romage so that didn't help his mm. flow or anything but it's a weird one it's a weird one but obviously Arteta's pool can never be yeah. you know underestimated just one call still it's it yeah got the call when Mikhail Arteta knocking <laughs> down the call doors from Arteta the, no Arteta the Mikhail Arteta knock is basically him kicking down mm. doors like it comes too different it's 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 long but um, yeah no it's looking like a good sign it still should be confirmed by the time this drops really but um, yeah that's it's episode go on what before you go? What, what do you think of? I feel it's good. With how do you think they're going to use? Because he's quite a versatile player. So Smith Rowe. he's someone who can fill out out wide if we mm. if Arsenal need him yeah. to. He can play central if they need him to. So I feel like it really is a thing where him, Saka, and Emil Smith Rowe will literally just bounce between each other whenever. Yeah, it's, it's that whole thing of like. Regimented positions. I remember we were talking about it last time. It's just, it's, yeah, it's kind like, of a thing, um, of, the old, it should thing be good of the past. Sorry. Smith Rowe, as good as he is performing right now, it's very risky to rely on him for stuff like injuries because we've seen in the past where mm-hmm. he can be flying and then boom, you'll get hit with that injury, then he's out for a couple of weeks. And then if that happens, obviously, Meza Ozil's now officially gone. You're stuffed. Like, you got to turn to. So, um, it's good. Exactly. But yes, that was episode 23 of the One Team yeah. Podcast. Sports right myself, Jay, my usual co-host, Dave. Be sure to follow all the socials for Footballist FC on Instagram. Galaza first on Instagram as well. Be sure to follow on the Spotify. Shout out to the Spotify crew. Yeah. I've got a couple plans with the future. That's all I've got to say to you people. And uh, hopefully, it will be out there on yeah. a wider scale. Rip, yeah on a regular basis and everybody will be able to enjoy the conversation between myself and Dave but it's been your word Jay it's been Dave and without further ado we'll catch you next week keep it locked people peace